podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. This week we're joined by Marie and Andre Brunet, who share about their experience of infertility. We know that this is a particularly heavy cross for people, and we know that there are a number of you who are carrying this cross right now. So we wanted to let you know that we are praying for you in a very special way this week. And if you'd like us to pass on your name to Marie and Andre so they can pray for you as well, you can feel free to message us on Instagram or Facebook. We hope that this episode is a source of hope for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to In the Thicket. How is everybody today? (laughs) That was the best. Like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Just like silence. (laughs) I love it so much. It's so great. It's because we're recording at an unusual time today, I think. It's true. Yeah, maybe. Erin, how are you doing? Um, Today, I'm doing all right. I just had a um, pumpkin spice decaf latte, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. And I always feel a little bit weird for being excited about pumpkin spice because it seems very (laughs) cliche about fall, but I really love them. It's good. It's great. It is good. It is good. How about you, Nicole? How are you doing? Good. Well, your your uh, pumpkin cookie remind uh, not pumpkin cookie. Well, this anyways, it reminds me of a story about pumpkin cookies. Okay. Um, I was talking with some of my students, and they were asking me. So I'm teach. I'm in Nashville, right? And I'm teaching music therapy. And um, so my students the other day they asked me, so what are you going to do about Thanksgiving? Like, are you going to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving? or American Thanksgiving or both, you know? And so then I was telling them that for the last few years, I'd lived in Toronto and had a lot of American friends that kind of celebrated both. Mm. So I'll just probably celebrate both this year. And then I made the mistake of saying, but you know, maybe I'll bring like, you know, pumpkin cookies or something on the Monday of Thanksgiving. Right. And they all got so excited. And now I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> now you have to bring pumpkin have cookies. To like figure out how to make pumpkin cookies. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. Figure out how to make them. That's, That's good. So That's uh-huh. good. How about you, Rachel? How are you doing? Um, there's a lot of stuff right now. There's just a lot of stuff going on with, with my family, not bad stuff, good stuff, but like, it's kind of, it's like a madhouse in my, my home right now. So I'm, I'm good, mm-hmm. but it's like one of those situations where it's like everybody suddenly had to get into high gear and get like a million things done in five days that we had planned to get done in two months. And so oh it's like that. But however okay. you would imagine that would be, that's <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Today we have with us some very wonderful guests um, who I'm so excited to see. Um, I'd like to introduce you all to dun, 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 Marie and Andre Brunet, <laughs> which is so funny because every time I say it, I want to do like, I feel like this when I say your name, because I'm not a French speaker, like a native French speaker, I can say like Marie and Andre Brunet. But it sounds weird. And like I'm in uh, an Italian restaurant and I'm saying, like, yes, please, I'll have the fettuccine for supper. Like it's not. Anyways, so hello. How are you, Marie and Andre Brunet? We're, we're good. Yeah, we're, we're well. Thanks. Thanks yeah, for having us. We're doing well. Thank you. Um, where are you located now? We are in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yay for Winnipeg. So yeah. for those listening, Nicole is from Winnipeg. That's where her family True was. Story. 
And I had the pleasure of meeting Marie and Andre when I was there working for the Archdiocese of Winnipeg. Um, yeah, which seems like a million years it ago. Was right? A million years ago. I know. It feels like a lifetime <sighs> ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. Yeah. I things know have changed, but things are still the same. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. And Jesus is coming back soon. So, I mean, we'll all be together. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So we had, um, because the topic of this particular episode is looking at, um, fertility challenges with fertility. Um, and we wanted to have a little question that's kind of on the topic, which is, something to do with kids. So I thought it would be funny for people to share a funny story. Like what is a funny story that happened to you when you were a kid or that is a funny story with like a nephew or niece or son or daughter or so I'm going to let the parents on this episode (laughs) go Mm -hmm. first and share. What's your funny story? Okay. I think you should start. I'm sorry. sorry okay. So um, I grew up in a family. I'm the eldest of four. And my baby sister, um, when she was three, she was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. It, it all turned out really well. And that's not really what the story is about. But every time we get together as a family, the story just keeps coming back as, as you know, something funny that happened. So one time we were in the hospital with her part of our many treatments and we were all there. And my other sister, who was probably five years old at the time needed to drink something and she w- she wanted a straw. Well, in French to ask the nurse for a straw, you say pie or yeah, which sounds like a piece of pie, like right. cherry pie. <laughs> so my little five-year-old sister went to the nursing desk and said, can I have a pie please? <laughs> and then she came back in a room with popsicles for everybody. <laughs> you're like, why do you have popsicles? <laughs> well, I asked for pie and they gave me popsicles. I didn't have any pie. So, anyways, that's great. That's just the story that always comes up whenever we start talking about straws. We start, you know, it turns into my sister coming back with popsicles. And nice. then the, the funny thing is, the nurse finally figured it out and came running in the room. Was like, I figured with a it straw. out. I have a straw. Oh, for you <laughs> oh that's we, so cute. We milked that for as long as we could and got all the popsicles we can get out of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> totally valid. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Marie? What's your funny story? Hey, my funny story is like it's it's kind of there's kid involved, but it's more of like the like the super exhausted mom story. And like so Anyways, it's, it's a story this is awesome me. already. <laughs> it's a story about me, and it, like it's actually going to sound really crazy, but it's it's a real true story. So, um, so my my first daughter, who is now eight, um, she was about I would say around six months at the time, and I was home alone with her, and um, and she had just woken up from a nap, and I had changed her diaper and put her like down on the ground, and she was able to crawl and move around at that age. So, anyways, I put her down on the ground. And then I went and like washed my hands in the bathroom, closed the door to the bathroom because she could crawl and she could get in the bathroom and like, she would like, you know, open the toilet and kind of, you know, want to get into that stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, totally. Anyways, I go back in her room. It's like right across from the bathroom and I'm like, she's not there. I'm like, oh, oh she crawled away. Oh. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> So I call her, her name is Emmanuel. I'm like, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And I'm calling her. And I'm like, at the same time, I'm walking through the house. So I walk through the kitchen. I'm like, she's not there. I'm like, Emmanuel. I walk through the living room, not there. So basically the whole house. I walk through the whole house. Oh my gosh. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. 
And okay, so this is the thing. I, I was not getting lots of sleep at the time. She wasn't a very good sleeper at all, even at that age. And so like, I'm like, not like I have, I don't know, maybe three or four hours of sleep on me, right? And so I'm like, okay, I'm called her, I've called her, I've called her. All of a sudden my brain was like, do I have a child? Did I make all this up? Did I imagine that I have a kid? Oh my gosh. That's, oh my God. That's so amazing. Do I, do I have a child? And then, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. So I open the bathroom door. The door, the light in the, in the bathroom is closed because I shut the door and shut the mm-hmm. light. So I open the door to the bathroom. It's like pitch dark in there. She's sitting on the ground in the bathroom, like quiet, no noise. Oh sitting there. And I'm like, okay, she exists. Okay. <laughs> this is, yes, I did not I, I do like, have a daughter. That's uh, amazing. Okay, that like was awesome. Mind. Anyway, there's so going to yeah, be someone who. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's going to be someone who hears that story and feels very validated. That's <laughs> right. That's right. People. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's it amazing. also went in a totally different direction from totally. what I was expecting. Like, I thought she was yeah. going to be in a funny place or you found her that she was like strapped to your back the whole time or like <laughs> something like that. But that's right. even that's better. Good. That's yeah. good. She that's basically good. just snuck in and I hadn't even seen her in there. So, yeah. But yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) Okay. This is good. Okay. Um, real quick, here's my story. This week I was sick for a few days and my little nephew who is almost two now, he is like learning all the words. So he's like a parret. He's, you know, everything is like whenever he sees a light, he's like, (laughs) that's really cute (laughs) anyways. And he also, the other day for the first time said to my sister, no, like she said something Whoa. and he was like, no, which is a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. So then we were signing off on FaceTime and she was like, okay, should we say, say to Auntie K, get well, Auntie, love you. No. <laughs> it's like, no. And I just cause laughed. I just laughed my butt off anyways. So that was my most recent funny story. How about you ladies? Either of you, Nicola, Rachel have a funny one to share. Like, yes, but okay, so you go, Rachel. I'm just okay, trying to decide which one to tell. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know which one either, but then it was inspired by um, Marie. I'm, I don't know if I'm saying your name right. Marie, Marie. yeah. Marie, 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 Marie. Marie. Okay. <laughs> you know, Aaron freaked me out with all the I know, so right? I stayed in Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Murray. Okay. So yeah. My, so I had, uh, me getting lost where I had gone with my mom to, I have cousins and, 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 aunt and uncle in England. And so, um, I think I was like a year old or, or like around about, around about there. And we went to England I was like walking and talking and stuff like that at that point a little bit. So anyways, they, there was like five adults, I think. And I was the only kid and I got the eye, they lost me. Like they couldn't find me. And and it was at a mall. And so it was like, everybody was panicking because it was like mm. this mall in another country. And this like one and a half year old kid was nowhere to be found. And my mom was like, just out of it, like out of her mind, like worry. And I think they were looking for like, I don't know, maybe like half an hour, something a long time Oof. to lose like a, a child mm. that young. Yeah. And uh I don't know how they found me or some person pointed it out or whatever. And apparently the entire time I just had found this like playhouse, this like dollhouse kind of playhouse thing. I just went in there and I was just literally playing house. Sad inside <laughs> half an hour. And they came up and they like opened the door and I was like, Hey guys. And I was like, just kind of like just playing. playing and like all the adults were like, I'm like nearly dead. And I was just so chill about it. So yeah, it's kind of funny because when I was seven, I think I got lost in like a baby 
Toys R Us or Babies R Us or something. And like for two seconds, and I was like, Mom, where are you? Like when I was seven, I was like way more freaked. I wish I guess makes sense, right? Because you more understand. <laughs> right. Being lost and that it's yeah. actually, yeah, yeah. That's yes. right. <laughs> I don't know if it's a funny story. It, maybe it's a horror story for parents. Maybe. That's right. That's right. Don't be afraid to go out in public with your kids, people. It's fine. Yeah, that's right. It's fine. How about you, Nicole? Did you decide on a fun one? Sure. I'll tell another story about kids being lost. Um, so when I was, I think it was about five or something like that. So I'm the oldest of, of five kids. So by the time I was five, I guess there was me and two younger siblings. Something about that age. Mm. Um, anyways, I decided that it would be cool to hide in the house and then see how long it took for my parents to hi- to find me. But like, it was like hide and go seek, but they didn't know that, that I was playing hide and go seek. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hid under, we had, you know, the crib, crib bed. I could like kind of slide under there and I just lay down under there for a while. And it took, it took a while for my, all of a sudden my parents to be like, Oh, like where's Nicole? We haven't seen her. So I heard them. And then I was like, yes, all right, it's going to be good, you know, and then waited for them. And they came into the room several times, did not look under the bed. And I was like, I'm amazing. I have the best hiding spot. Like, and I was just so proud and everything. Right. And then they were getting worried. Right. I think this was like half an hour at some point that I, that they couldn't find me. And I was just like, I'm brilliant. And then I heard them be like, should we call the police? And then I was like, Oh, oh, oh. So then I just like crawled out and then I just should have quietly walked into the kitchen and kind of waited for them to see me. And then I, I got a little bit in trouble. But anyways, that's all pretty good though. See, you were just hiding right. under the bed. See, this is yeah. all good information from me on Trey. Just in just in case they were, you know, feel the so need yeah. to. Don't forget to check under that's the right. bed. Don't Literally forget to check under the bed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I feel exactly. so bad for little Nicole, though. You're like, this is a great joke. And then it just all turned really sour. <laughs> or maybe I feel like your parents were like, I know what we'll do. We'll say we're going to call the cops. She will come oh, right away. <laughs> They're oh, like, we got that's you. So <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, maybe that's, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Did you guys exactly. ever try to run away from home? Like, I remember trying mm-hmm. to run away one time. We lived in an apartment building when I tried to run away. Mm-hmm. And I, like, packed my things. And it was like a fake like doctor's case you know like mm. <laughs> and I like packed like and I think I packed like a doll and like a random like toy like I packed toys you know and right, I'm, like, right. I'm ready you need to run away. exactly yeah yeah <laughs> I don't think I ever tried to run away from home but I do remember that there was a thunderstorm and I tried to pack a survival kit for if there was a tornado and brought it down to the basement and it was mm. like paper and crayons and things like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the, the really essential, essential elements right. of okay. you know all the preppers out there who are listening are like furiously taking notes <laughs> survival kit right. yeah I did try and run away once I don't remember what I put in the bag I went and sat behind the shed for about 20 minutes and then I got hungry and then I <laughs> ate raspberries off our raspberry bush and got thirsty and then I went back inside so that was the extent wow. of it you stuck yeah. it out though you stuck it out that's right that's my right. parents are just like go ahead and that's that put an end to it I was like oh <laughs> I'm not punishing you by running away. Oh, yeah, fine. exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, that was highly enjoyable, but 
let's turn to the to the topic of the day, which is all about you guys, Marie and yeah, Andre. I'm just like silencing my phone right now because I'm like it's making noise. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I've done that okay, lots done, of times done, too. Done, done. Um, okay. So you had uh, like a whole journey with um, with infertility over the years and what that's looked like and what's what that's looked like my tongue doesn't work today and I know there are lots of people who listen um who have commented on that before and said Mm. that they'd love to hear an episode on this because it's one of those things that is so often experienced by people in Mm. various ways but not really often talked about publicly um depending on you know your circle and um and all of those things so I'm just going to turn it over to you guys and you can tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about, um, about your journey. Okay. I'll still fill in the blanks when I forget <laughs> important things. But, um, so we've been married 17 years. Um, and the first nine years was a big struggle for us. Um, uh, it took nine years before we were able to conceive our our first child. Mm-hmm. Um, those nine years were uh, a roller coaster of emotions and challenges, and and um, yeah, a lot of a lot of difficulty and a lot of stress and fear and sadness, and yeah, infertility is is a lonely place as a couple because it's hard to talk about. People, you see all your friends and family with their kids and Mm. they don't get it. And they're just like, ah, you get to enjoy life. You don't have to deal with all this stress. And it's like, oh, we kind of want to, you know. (laughs) And, um, you know, it got to a point where we're like, "Ah, let's just go to Hawaii for next Christmas because we don't want to have to deal Mm. with all the family and the friends and the kids. And it was just like, because Christmas is all about the kids and family and getting together. So, I mean we never got to that spot, but I mean, we were like talking about it, but, mm. um, so yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to start at the beginning a little bit more. Long story. Yeah. It's a long story. Yeah. So mm. I guess I'll start, I'll try to keep it like pretty, pretty concise. Uh, concise, but, um, yeah. So, so after we were married, we, um, we thought, well, basically we were going to just wait a little bit. Like we were just avoiding with NFP for about a year not even uh well we thought we would be because we were going to mm. do well we did like a year of of um like sort of uh, volunteer work or missionary work for a year outside of um, canada like in in south america and so there was like this idea that okay maybe it wouldn't be safe to have a pregnancy over there once we were over in we were in bolivia we're like it's safe <laughs> 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 So, um, so yeah, it wasn't even a whole year and then, uh, yeah. And then it was just like on our own, like just from our charting that I was like, "Mm, like this is supposed to be working. It's not, no, things are not like adding up Mm. here. So, um, so often they say, I think it is like a rule that you're supposed to like have infertility for a year before you, um, before you actually can go to a doctor and say like, help us. But like, Mm. So I think it wasn't a full year of actually trying before we like got back to Canada and, um, and, and saw Sorry. the doctor and yeah. And you know, it's like, that feels like a billion years ago, but it was like, yeah, the beginning of like, just, just this like long road of just struggling from then on, because mm. like we had such a strong desire to have children. Like we were 
basically still pretty newly married at that point. And it was like, yeah, we just started, I guess, um, in the whole, like what would be like just the normal Avenue of like seeing your doctor and then the doctor sends you to like a normal, like fertility, fertility clinic. And, and then we go to the normal fertility clinic and we kind of have very limited options according to like mm. our morals and our faith, which is sort of like where we just had, where we were standing. And, um, mm. And so it was just like this kind of thing where like, it just kind of rolled from year to year to year of like the same thing of like, just going back to the doctor every year. I just, I also really had like a really not, how do I say this? Not the most compassionate doctor. So basically he would just kind of like every year or so when we go back, he'd be like, so you're not pregnant yet. Basically because like sort of on their side of things, like they're like the the mainstream fertility clinics are trying to put you into like the um, the the what do you call that like the like the IVFs or the I'm, I'm yeah. in French so like I'm thinking mm. of, but like the, the they want to put you on the path of IVF mm. right, right yeah go like well you know we can try this and this but basically we think we were gonna probably need to do this right mm. and so we were into like the let's try this and this because there wasn't like, we wanted to try like the options that didn't have to go that way. So there wasn't much that the doctor was offering. And so it was always like this, like, Oh, so you're not pregnant. And, and I didn't know what to do. Like at that point we had stopped charting, I think, because we were just like, let's judge you like this, just try to do this. And like doctors at, at our fertility didn't didn't look at charts and we didn't have a doctor Mm -hmm. that would look at any of that. And so it was just like a year a year like just like just disappointment and disappointment and disappointment and disappointment and like trying some like um fertility treatments that were like ethical to us but like that were just not helpful and some like very I would say unhelpful like Mm -hmm. causing me like like just like some medication that caused me like really high anxiety and like got me into like really like really bad um mental states and things like that and I was quit a job at one point because of the medication they gave you i was just like a mess i was a mess and none of it was actually like producing any Mm. any fruit right like it was just like no fruit Mm. and so yeah so it was just and uh yeah so it was really stressful like in terms of like that whole side of just like the medical side of things it was really stressful um for our marriage um it was stressful like on they said as well because of um yeah, just the environment that we lived, you know, we were like, all our friends were kind of getting married around the same time as us. And then, you know, like a year or so, or some time, like not too far after marriage, would they'd be starting their families. And then it, yeah. So it was just like this constant thing of like, okay, we're falling behind, we're falling behind, we're falling mm-hmm. behind. And there's something weird about infertility that causes shame. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I've never really been able to explain it, but I can tell you that anybody who's living with infertility, like, can tell you that there's this shame, like there's this some kind of shame, like you just feel like you're not complete and you think that people will not be yeah. able to worthy or something. Yeah, you're not worthy. You can't people will not be able to relate to to what you are living. Often they can't really relate. So even sometimes when I would try to talk about infertility, it's just that sometimes like if you're not in the midst of that same type of suffering, uh you would like we would get something like you know, I guess it would just trigger something in like a friend's mind. They'd be like, talk about their kids. <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> That doesn't help. But, you know, so, so it was tough. It was very tough. And then, um, so I guess we were obviously like, yeah, so we did, I guess about four years of just trying to figure out like if like fertility 
like medication or something would, would help. And then after about four years, we decided that we would also go ahead with like applying for adoption. Mm. And so we, um, we did apply for adoption with like a, an agency that did open adoption. And so, mm. you know, so we created our profile and worked through all of that. We had lots of like, uh, studies that had to be done on us. And like, it's, it's like, when I was, when we were doing it, it's like, we were applying to be parents, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, it felt so strange because like our friends were having kids like boom, boom, boom. Like they're not applying. They're just doing it. Right. That's right. None of them passed the exam. You, you need your criminal this. record check. You need your, obviously, I mean, yeah. it makes sense for those things. You're a child mm-hmm. But then it's like, you have to like write up things about like, why do you want to be a parent? And how are you going to be a parent? And, and then what are you going to do? And then, mm-hmm. and then like, it's like, you're, you're doing like you're a full s- thesis you know, a, on. Well, it's a sell job. You're like selling yourself. Because with an open adoption, it's it's moms that mm-hmm. choose the parents. So, mm-hmm. you know, you I mean, obviously you're honest, but you got to still look. You got to look presentable, likeable. Right. Likeable. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're going to be the best parents for your kids. Well, we, and then we're like, OK, well, what should we say that they like? We don't want to be like sound too crazy or too pushy or, you know, it's like, oh, my Anyways. gosh. So it just was always like this thing where like, I can't believe how much we have to like just try to like write all this stuff up about us. And then like, yeah, I guess other parents are just like, just being parents, right? So mm. anyway, so that was still then, a struggle too. In the midst of that, we did actually have a mom come up to us. Well, that say, was after a few years. Because we had like years. after four years of all that, yeah. we we decided to apply. But then we didn't get any calls or anything. Like you have so to be called if after. somebody picks your profile, basically. So mm. we didn't get any calls. And then so then it was no, it was way more than that, Andre. It was like it was um so we it was like the eighth year of our infertility that we actually got somebody who contacted us. Um, mm. And it wasn't even through the agency. It was just through like word, word of, of mouth. mouth and... Somebody had knew someone who, um, who was pregnant and who was wanting to place their child for adoption. And so anyways, this is a whole long story, but basically <laughs> we were asked that. to be parents for an unborn uh, child. Um, and he was like, maybe only like, what was he like four, four or five, maybe months months gestation at that time. Mm -hmm. And then we went through the whole process, like with the agency that was like, we met the mom, we Mm. put out plans, you know, everything was going along. Like we didn't do it on our own. We had the agency support Mm -hmm. and and guide us through the whole process. And about two weeks before the baby was born, everything changed. And Mm -hmm. it's a long story, but the father Mm -hmm. got back involved and was able to take the baby and mm-hmm. you know so it felt like a miscarriage to wow, us yeah. you know it's just like so mm-hmm. deflating and depressing and all this it's a little bit little bit of hope that something good well, was, it was getting happen. bigger and bigger and bigger like that hope yeah. was like super oh rising because we were like two weeks before the baby was born right yeah, yeah. and so anyways yeah and then like like because <sighs> like a- adoptions can fall through all the time like they always tell it would tell us like don't don't announce it. Don't tell people like you don't even need to tell your family. Just only don't tell them. Prepare a room. Yeah, don't, prepare. don't buy furniture. So, so the agency did a good job of preparing us, but the heart is still like. Well, yeah, but the thing that too is that like we hadn't told anybody, and then all of a sudden we're living like all of this like yeah. extreme like just uh, depression. Yeah, like just mm-hmm. like the end of this world of what we were living at the time, and then like nobody had known about it. Wow. Oh. 
My mom knew about okay, it. Okay, that's a longer story. She didn't tell us <laughs> she knew about it. She's waiting for this big announcement. Oh, and then, no. you know, we went and told them about this big disappointment. And my mom was like, oh my gosh. Was, anyways. So yeah, that's, it was crazy. Anyways, so that happened. Oh boy. Um, and so, and then in the midst of all that, I'm still trying to do like fertility stuff. I'm still trying, like, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? And like, it always felt so impossible. Like there's nothing, there's nothing. Like we've tried what we can and there's nothing. And like, you know, we, we stick very strongly to like our, our like moral stance. Like, and so we were just like, we're not doing anything artificial, but like, but other than that, there's nothing. And we've lost like the only hope through this adoption. Mm. And then, um, yeah. Just talk about your work. Oh Yeah. Okay, but that's different. Okay. But okay, but it, it that's good. good. <laughs> so I mean, obviously, it put a strain on our, our relationship. I mean, um, I felt horrible that Marie had to go through all these tests and invasive, you know, tests and, and treatments and all this stuff. And and you know, anyways, it, it, it's a struggle. And and then, but Marie was working for the diocese um, in the fam in the office of family and marriage. Yeah. And so she was doing her all her days. She's working on how to help couples stay together. And she would drag me into all of these things all the time. <laughs> Not kicking and screaming, but, you know, it was it was good. So, yeah, because I guess like we wanted to focus on that, too. Like the fact that like, yeah, like it like it is a, a big challenge for marriage. Obviously, we're just like, you know, especially as the years go by, it's like you're yeah like you're you're trying to be fruitful in your marriage but mm -hmm. yet like yeah where do you find that fruitfulness and so like the biggest okay so we had many blessings throughout this so, like all of a sudden we we i mean i mean previous to this we've been talking about all the struggles and everything but there were lots of blessings um and one of those like andre said it was the fact that i was actually working at that time for my diocese uh saint boniface diocese for the office of marriage and family and now it's the office of marriage family life but um but yeah so basically my job was to like create retreats for couples and to like find resources for couples to like heal their marriage and to like help them work through things and it was like God put me in that place, like right at that time when we were through like those big struggles. Right. Mm. And so, so yeah. So like, I, I, I just, obviously I'm, I was married. So then I'm like, well, I got to find a good resource. Let's watch a whole bunch. So we'd, be like, we'd be like spending most of our like couple time, like just like watching videos on marriage and like working through programs on marriage. Um, I would like, kind of want to come up with a new idea for a retreat. So I'd be like, okay, let's put together this retreat and go on this retreat. And we like put it on, or we would like take part in a retreat. And so it was like, God was like, okay, you're struggling. You're like, you have this big cross right now, but, but I'm going to give you all this to like mm -hmm. fill in the blanks while, you know, until I can like, you know, get you to the place where I'm going to bring you. Right. So that was just like a giant blessing that for some reason, I don't know, for some reason, yeah. but like I didn't ask, ask for that job. I just like ended up in that job. And then it was like just a big blessing. The other big blessing was that like, I did talk about like some people in our lives, like who just like wouldn't be able to get it and things like that. But we did have like some good friends that, that did get it. And that like would always support us with prayer. And I feel like what mm. got us through like our nine years of infertility of like, you know, this unknown, because it's always an unknown. It's like every single month you're like, is something going to happen? No, it didn't. And then mm. it's like every month of your life for all those years, right? So just like yeah. to get through that, I mean, we were always praying, but we had really good friends that continued to pray and like, like strong, strong, like um, prayer support. 
And then once in a while, I would like randomly get a, like a card or a message from a friend saying like, we're still thinking and praying for you guys. Like, and you know, we, 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 you know, we support you in your, in your struggles or I was like, wow, like people are just mm-hmm. beautiful sometimes. And that like, just those little things, like very infrequently, but just those little things would like really get us, or at least me, <laughs> I've had a lot more positivity. I find or a lot more hope in the whole thing. I would get me through things. And then I'd be like, hey, Dante, we're going to be okay. <laughs> okay. So let's move this along. So because of her work, okay. we yeah. ended up at a conference in Wisconsin for mm. family and life. And there was a table there describing something called NAPRO technology or natural procreative mm-hmm. technologies. And I was like, Marie, have you heard of this? And she's like, yeah, it's just another charting system. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's more than that. And I, I like know. how this story makes you the hero. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> That's right. You know, accurate. It's good. Yeah, it just, actually, it's just, true. It's true. Because like, I honestly, like I had seen everything I had, you know, and I was like, when I looked at descriptions of what NAPRO technology was, it was like, you can uh, find the biomark that will identify your whatever I can't remember but it was just like very like vague language that said like okay yeah you're going to learn how to chart and you're going to understand your cycle which is basically all of NFP right so I'm like Mm -hmm. it's just another NFP but I think what happened is like I just was like okay yes Andre pointed it out to me and I was like okay 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 I'll just I'll get more info on it so I did and then I really like delved into it. I was like, okay, we had, we were actually at the time we were in the process of adoption. We were, we were, I think we were like in this whole process. So we went already. from open adoption to a private adoption option. And then that was moving along. Okay. Yeah. Cause we had right. lost that adoption. And then we were like, anyways, we, we started like moving forward with like what other options for adoption we could do. And so we were working through that, but at the same time I was like, okay, let's get into this NAPRO thing. And then I, I can't go into all of it, I'm sure, because I don't think we have as much, as much time as time. I would love. That's another podcast. But, um, <laughs> but basically, like, so it's it's like a very um, morally sound approach to fertility care. So it um, it's like nothing artificial. It's just going into... Um, doing a lot of testing, which is not what I got from the from the local fertility mm-hmm. clinic here. Mm-hmm. They didn't do much testing. They were like, nah, nah, okay, fine, we'll just give you this, and then we'll, you know, put you in that like uh, path towards IVF. Whereas mm-hmm. Napro Technology was like, let's go in depth into like what's going on in your body, what's going on with your cycle, what's going on with your ovulation, what's going on with your hormones, your vitamins, like just like a ton of testing, a ton of blood work, um, ultrasounds, ultrasounds um, mm-hmm. to really find out and like charting as well to find out what's happening. And you know what? It was absolutely crazy. So I wasn't able to have a a doctor in Manitoba at the time. There weren't any, but I was like, I had a a doctor that I saw in Toronto and then I was able to like, just do um, online, like email basically and phone with her at the time. But like, what was absolutely crazy was like, after I did like all the testing and like the charting and the, all that stuff, I had a phone call with her and all of a sudden she was like telling me, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. And in nine years of infertility, there was not a doctor that ever mm. told me what was happening mm. in my, in my life, in my, I mean, in my fertility uh, cycle mm. or anything like they, it was like, there was always like this, like, you know, unexplained. Know, unexplained. And all of a sudden yeah. this doctor's like, this is mm. what's happening. And so, Explain, and then she's like, yeah. this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Okay. So I did like, so I won't go through all of, because it's different for any person who's going to be going through fertility treatments, mm-hmm. treatments with them because mm-hmm. of the, of the extensive research into Can what I, the body is doing. So like personally, essentially yeah. 
she looks at the whole ovulation process and then mm -hmm. all the hormones that are being released. And then she's just trying I to adjust. There's more. There's, there's like more. the ultrasounds and like the. But the ultrasounds look at the ovulation the, and, yeah. then, and then the hormones. And then she lines it up and then she can tell, you know, what hormone is lacking, hormone is lacking at what point of the cycle. Mm -hmm. So there was, okay, there was more than that. More there was a lot of stuff that. and it would be different for any, any person or any mm -hmm. couple. Yeah, right. any woman who's going through it. So in my case, I, <laughs> I had to like take like a certain like medication for ovulation at some point. I had to take certain hormones and then I had to take like extra vitamins. After one cycle of doing exactly what the doctor asked me to do at the right times in my cycle, I got pregnant. First wow. positive pregnancy test in nine, eight years, nine years. Wow. Yeah. wow. I got pregnant. And then <laughs> I was like... I mean, this is like the biggest <laughs> thing that ever happened in our life, right? Like the biggest miracle. Wow. So, anyways, yeah. So, I mean, so not only then were we like pregnant, but then with uh, like the doctor that practices in Napo technology, she followed me through the whole pregnancy, like continuing to do tests, continuing to give me like hormones when I needed them. So I was like carried through that whole pregnancy. And this like after nine months, we had our first daughter named Emmanuel. <laughs> and wow. God is with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's her, name. Yeah. Yeah. So her name is Emmanuel Gianna Marie Brune. Um, Emmanuel, God is with us. Um, Gianna, um, God is gracious, right? And uh, mm -hmm. Gianna also, because she was one of our big intercessors, we actually met with St. Gianna's um, daughter. daughter and oh. actually her two daughters both, both and her, her kids, son. Yeah. But, um, but we did spend a lot of Oh, I would say we spent a good like couple of hours with her daughter, Jenny um, Manuela, um, who um, who like assured us of her um, her mother's prayers for us mm. and her understanding. And so we have like a very big devotion to to St. Jana, who is um, like one of the patron saints for, for difficult pregnancies or for infertility. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, so Jana is uh, one of Emmanuel's middle names. And then Marie, because we'll tell a little story after that. It's for Mary, um, but a particular like devotion to Mary. And so, yeah, so, mm. yeah, so, so we That's have, so we have um, two daughters now. Um, and so like, again, through the miracle of, um, mm -hmm. having been able to discover an Apple technology, I did have a miscarriage. We did, yeah, we had a miscarriage. Um, we almost suffered, we suffered a little bit of secondary infertility as well. I mean, it took five years. To a little bit. Well, okay. <laughs> Sounds like a little bit compared to our nine years. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So we, 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 we suffered, suffered. We dealt with more a little mm -hmm. more fertility and a miscarriage in between our two daughters but um mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's it's been quite the journey and, yeah. and now we're blessed with uh, a two-year-old and a eight-year-old so mm -hmm. our two-year-old is um miriam or miriam mm -hmm. miriam beautiful. elizabeth so that's yeah, beautiful so, so miriam is a um, long-awaited child and then um mm -hmm. elizabeth is god is god is Oh no. <laughs> God is plentiful. I think it's God is plentiful. God is plentiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's I haven't great. slept since she was born. So I <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, it's funny when you say that, like when you tell that story, 
you guys are famous in the Archdiocese of Toronto with all of the current seminarians because <laughs> when we were talking about, um, I forget what class it was, I think it was human sexuality and marriage and then a couple of other classes, my bioethics class, I think, I told basically every seminarian that I could Aww. tell while I was taking classes whenever it was po could possibly come up because for me, NAPRO, um, when I was able to access it, I got a diagnosis with endometriosis like mm -hmm. 10 years after I had been trying to do anything and was able to actually access like surgery and care for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. the only thing that anybody had ever said to me before was like, take the pill, take the pill. Yeah. So it was like, and it was like life changing for me, like not even in the area of having kids, but there's your story is not you know, the only, the only one that I've heard like that, but I, but I did, I was like telling the seminarians, like, you got to know that there's this thing out there. Like, and it's <laughs> not, and it's oh, not yeah. even that it's, you know, cause not oh, everybody. Yeah. It's important that they know, like even, yeah. I mean, we were trying, we made sure that our bishop knew about NAPRO or knows about NAPRO. And like, we really mm -hmm. think that like, yeah, especially just because couples will just end up like doing what we did, you know, they go to the doctor and then the doctor will send them to like just the regular fertility clinic. And if you don't get to tap into what actually exists, in terms of like NAPRO, it's not just, I mean, it's, it's like super in line for Catholics, but the, the thing is, it's also super just like the best it way works. to find out mm -hmm. what's going on in your body. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's um, good I, science. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so um, I also have endometriosis and I, I like really didn't get much help with it from like just the regular avenues, but with, um, with NAPRO, like tons of help, like lots of different aspects, even just controlling pain and things like that. So, mm, yeah. 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 My goodness. Um, it's such an intense, like, like I'm thinking of that nine years, you know, with that, especially like what you say, because it's not just like kind of like some nebulous hope that like goes around, but it's like a cyclic hope and yeah. defeat of that right. hope, you know what I mean yeah, which like well do you know what I mean relatively speaking yes know yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah so um I'm wondering if you can talk about like what like what that was like for you like what um what kind of I don't know feelings or thoughts or whatever like what what that was like for you in those times and how you guys really got through that like ways that you found to kind of manage that really differently like I guess yeah. I, I would let you start first because you were more. Well, I think had, had a lot of difficulty with it. Yeah. As the man and the introvert and maybe not the most comfortable sharing and expressing feelings. I think I was, I, sh I, sh I shut down a lot more mm -hmm. and just kind of went into myself. And um, I mean, I could see the pain that Marie was going through and the disappointment every month. And uh, I'm, you know, I think the biggest struggle was not being able to s be as supportive as, as I possibly could. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, every once in a while we'd have these big, you know, kind of meltdown, not meltdowns, but just like difficult conversations and sessions. And then we would not talk about it for a while. And mm -hmm. then have these big kind of intense situations and then kind of ignore it for a while so there was that and then there was i mean obviously it went through different stages and and you know different periods but it, it was it was yeah it felt i guess it, was, it felt lonely for me yeah yeah and i mean i guess i, I don't want to speak for you but i know like one thing that andre would talk about a lot was like the loss of hope like he just yeah. he lost hope at some point like completely right when i started doing 
Cause I say, I started doing NAPRO because honestly, like we didn't do NAPRO together. Like it's, it is like, there is like NFP aspect to it. And I mean, he did try to help a little bit, but by then he had lost hope completely. And we had already, yeah, we had already lost like our, our adoption. And so like he, he went like into like pretty low place after that. And it was like, yeah, he was just like, he didn't have hope. And I think like you were talking about like struggling with like believing that God could do anything or believing that God actually cared. And, and so, so yeah, Mm. so he was in that place a lot and I would be like trying to like pull him out of there. But at the same time, I was also obviously struggling through the whole thing um, as well. And so it was, it was really challenging Um, for me though. Like, I guess like um, a lot of prayer, a lot of like, I guess, because I was able to have people a little bit more to talk to. It wasn't like not always easy um, just talking about it. It wasn't that often that I got to talk about, um, my struggles, but then like Aaron at one point started up like a little sharing group for a few women that were in our area. And, um, and that was really good. Like it was really good because I didn't have anything like that until then. And it wasn't like an infertility group. It was nothing like that, but it was a faith sharing group, but it gave me an opportunity to have like a group of women to, to talk with and pray with. And that was like really golden for me. Um, but Andre didn't really like have that kind of thing, or I don't know if he would have been open to it anyways as an introvert as But um I wouldn't have tapped into much. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess like in my heart and like I just like down in the depths of me, I would always say to myself, and I would try to repeat this to Andre as much as he would let me say it, I would say, like, God can't, he won't forget us. Like God will mm. not forget us. Like he's gotta have something for us like I was just convinced because I think of like I just needed to convince myself of that because mm-hmm. I was like you know like this was a long time like we had mm-hmm. been through like we were almost out of like a 10-year anniversary type of thing right mm-hmm. and I was always like in my mind there was always like this thing where like by this year of marriage by the fifth year of marriage God will provide for us and somehow mm-hmm. this will work out and then then I was like no no okay the perfect number by our seventh year of marriage God will provide for us and we will have children and then it was like so it was like okay this is not working out and this was like I would have like tons of time of like real like don't like really being really down and being really upset about lots of things but I would I guess and I always I always um um what do I call that what do I say that word I lose a lot of words in my mind that I <laughs> I attribute it that's a good word mm. to like the prayers that were always surrounding us mm. that that like that's still that somehow I still had that hope that God can't forget us I would tell somebody like He's not going to forget us. How could he forget us? He will not forget us. And I was convinced of that, like somewhere, somewhere inside of me. Mm. And and then it's like, what? He really didn't forget us? Like, honestly, like when I, when we realized that he gave us a child and I was pregnant, I was like, no, 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 really? Like, I was like, it was unbelievable, really unbelievable. Even though that whole time I had said he couldn't forget us. Like, yeah, Yeah. we were just like, our minds were absolutely blown (laughs) Well, then I actually had a hard time believing it. Yeah. Like during the whole pregnancy, I wouldn't allow myself to really feel too much emotion because I was like, something's going to happen. Uh, It's not going to work out. Yeah. Something's going to go wrong. Well, I was high risk. I was high risk. And that's why I was being followed like so very closely. But yeah. Andre was like, yeah, he's also a nurse. We didn't mention that. eh? He's a nurse. And so um, the medical side of things, he knows everything that can go wrong. Right. So 
everybody could know what, what's going on, what could go wrong. But Andre like particularly could focus on those yeah, things. Yeah, like in tune with those things. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so mm. so yeah, that was that was actually like it was a big challenge during our pregnancy because I was so I was like filled with joy all the time, like in my own heart and my life. But then like I turned to Andre and he'd be like, you know, like he'd still have like the the heaviness. So, so I considered him to be like the story I would tell is like, I guess I told it afterwards. I wouldn't want to like put that on him while we were going through it. But, but I called him like, he was like Zachariah and I was like Elizabeth and, Mm. um, because Zachariah like couldn't believe that like that mm. they lost could, his voice. Yeah, that there could mm. be a they could, mm. that there could be a baby, right? And so, um, so yeah, so like it's like Andre didn't lose his voice, but he lost like sort of like this ability to like believe, I guess. And then, um, and then, yeah, and then all of a sudden we had a baby, <laughs> and like boom, Andre's like. I had never seen so much joy in my husband. Like, I mean, except for the day we got mm. married, of course, because we <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like he was finally able to speak. Right. And the speaking is like the joy that like, ex- allow myself to feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just like, even, yeah, even through the pregnancy, just like, and I guess even our second pregnancy, like, okay. So like our third, I should say, because I did mm-hmm. lose a baby, um, like about eight, or, yeah, about 18 months after we had our first, um, mm. I was pregnant again. And uh, even though I was followed through NAPRO, like there was just, yeah, the baby like was just struggling and struggling. And so I lost, um, a, well, we, we have a name for him because mm-hmm. we don't know, like we don't like mm-hmm. scientifically know that he was a boy, but we yeah. believe that he is, uh, he's a boy. And mm-hmm. so his name is um, Joseph André. So um, beautiful. So St. Joseph and, and, and St. Mm-hmm. Brother André. Um, we ask him to pray for us every, every night. Um, but yeah, so I did lose, lose him, um, at 12 weeks. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was a very difficult pregnancy for me because I was struggling at the, like, I guess, because I knew from the very beginning, there were like challenges. And I, I just like, I had that feeling like, this is not going to work out. Like we're not going to mm-hmm. meet this baby. That one was very, very challenging, especially, yeah, just because of how things worked out, obviously. And then, um, and then, yeah, then like five years later with our pregnancy with Medium, um, yeah, again, Andre was still like, you know, like there's just the doubtful, like, is this, oh, I don't know, is it going to work out? So very, <laughs> very like, yeah, I don't know. How would I say? Skeptical. Skeptical, I don't know. <laughs> but she, she's beautiful. Mm. She's a great kid. She doesn't sleep much. Well, she does now. Now that she's she's she sleeps a little more. But, um, uh, but yeah. So the, the joys of parenthood. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess like that is another thing that comes along with infertility is just like, well, and also those who experience miscarriage is just like the the struggles even drain pregnancy. Like mm-hmm. just to like, and I was also struggling with Medianne's pregnancy, having lost a child before that, and knowing I was still high risk. Like it's just like you know, there's a, there's like this worry, this constant worry because like everybody wants their pregnancies to go well, right? But like mm. you're like uh, like you just there's this, this extra strain on like you know because you've lived through like the the parts of life where you haven't been able to have successful pregnancies Mm -hmm. or yeah 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 it reminds me it really strikes me when um you talk about other people like even with the adoption and things like that of like not not um really telling a lot of people or even when you're pregnant like i remember i remember when when i found out that you were pregnant and i remember like 
crying like and not even just like once but like thinking about it like periodically and having tears like actual tears like which which um is such a like it's so beautiful that to even hear you talk about how life-giving it was to have those people mm-hmm. in your life, mm-hmm. like around you, that the prayers were actually doing something. Like it's not just yeah. people who are like saying like, oh yeah, that's hard. I'll pray <laughs> for you. But like actually like praying along with you for the Lord's will to like manifest in your life and for him to bless you with a child, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can remember that too. Cause I, I don't, how, how old is Emmanuel? She's eight. Eight. She's yeah, eight. She just yeah. Eight. Yeah. Okay. Cause I remember, I think my mom sharing that you were expecting and we prayed for you like oh. almost every day throughout the whole pregnancy. So we were, I think there's a lot like in the community that we're just kind of like really, you know, thinking of you, praying for you guys and carrying you, you know? So it's, it's so beautiful to hear kind of the story. Cause we, I don't, you know, we didn't know you that I didn't know you guys that well, Yeah. Um, but yeah, really beautiful to hear. Well, thank you. Oh my gosh. It's like, no, yeah. Like even just knowing people were praying for us even now, like, you know, just, yeah. The fact that we know that you got your family was praying for us. We don't know if we knew at the time, but like, sure. it's just, yeah, yeah it, it's so touching. Like it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it made a giant difference for our lives. So yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Cause I think that like someone, it was like, I remember my mom saying like, okay, we're not really supposed to know, but, but Maddie's <laughs> pregnant, but we're just going to pray, but don't tell anybody we're not to, or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't know if I made oh, that yeah. memory up, but there's, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. But basically like for, for myself, like when we found out we were pregnant, I was like, tell the world mm, <laughs> because okay. it was like, we just, cause we knew like, this was like, perhaps our only chance to have a child right and so mm-hmm. like yeah we didn't know that we were ever gonna be able to we have any more so we were just like pray everybody pray please pray like a lot so, of couples wait for like 12 13 weeks or something to make sure mm-hmm. that right. everything's going okay but we we're like no no it's just, just <laughs> yeah get the word out. yeah and we just said with every one of our pregnancies just like let people know as soon as we could um to just yeah let like let the prayers flow and like have people just support us as much as they could if if possible. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So funny. Erin and I are pointing at each other on Zoom. If, if no, if anyone's, if no one's <laughs> listening, cause we're both like a mess. <laughs> and I just met you guys today. Like, I don't know. This is the first time I'm hearing the story. I'm like, literally like, oh, we're doing late at night. It's like, Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Right. I know. Right? <laughs> it is. I know. But, no, it's so, I mean, I think for me, like I'm just hearing the story for the first time, but I think the thing that keeps coming up to mind because I can really relate to Andre. I think for me, I'd be like, I'm very cerebral about like, okay, this hasn't happened. Like the chances of something happening from in my mind are like, if it hasn't happened, it's just the chances keep diminishing and they don't increase, you know? And it's not even just Mm -hmm. like in so many cases, I feel like my past teaches me what to expect for my future rather than clinging to like a hope that in a God who can do anything at any time, which is the God that we believe in. But I think that like, it's, you know, the question that kept coming to, that kept coming to your mind was like, why the Lord chooses particular people for particular journeys, you know, for particular, and dare I even say like for particular crosses, which mm. I don't think he desires us to feel in pain at all, but like he allows particular crosses into specific people's lives. And I feel sometimes like it's awful, but also there's a kind of, there's a kind of beautiful grace that is given, you know, in the midst of those incredibly unbelievably painful journeys. And 
And the fruit of that is like what we're experiencing right now. Like, you know, crying and thinking about Mm. all the people in the community who were given hope by, by your daughter and by your journey and all of that kind of stuff. But it is that like constant surrender. Like it's a radical surrender that God asked of both of you. It's like mm-hmm. real tough. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he doesn't, he doesn't make that request of, of everyone in the same way. I mean, I think he does at some point in all of our lives, he does. But um, for some of us, it's in a more poignant way. And it's in a more like he, he really set you apart in this, in this particular story. And it's, it's very beautiful because I, we can imagine how difficult that must have been and like what a Calvary really that was. And therefore like what a resurrection, you know, the, the blessing was as well. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I imagine that we're like, you've explained Marie, like some of the smaller resurrections that you needed to, that God needed mm-hmm. to give you so that you could mm-hmm. continue that walk, you know? And that gives me a lot of hope because I think a lot of us in one way or another are, on that Calvary in some part of our life and lives. And, and we need to look for those small moments of resurrection and grace that God gives us to Mm -hmm. keep going because Mm -hmm. he has a plan because he hasn't forgotten us. Like you said, you know, and I think that's such a beautiful kind of tagline for this whole episode. Like God does not forget us, Mm. you know, his children. He never forgets us. So it's just yeah. like, we're a mess. That's what, <laughs> just a mess. <laughs> That's beautiful. Can I ask, what was it like for you? Um, like whenever it happened, whether it was like when Emmanuel was born and you held her for the first time or whatever, but it's because it's clear to see you, like to know you as a couple, the, the motherliness and the fatherliness that is there, that was there before you had your daughters even, right? And your son, like that was there, like in, I don't know, just how you are in the world. So what was it like when that, for you, when it was like fulfilled in that way? I want you to answer. Well, I mean, that was a massive relief. And I mean, it's, it's undescribable, the joy that you get seeing your child for the first time like you think you can love somebody it's it's impossible to imagine you can love anybody more than this little helpless baby that you're holding in your arms for the first time and then i mean those nine years I don't know, they're gone like, I, I, like that's not what i was thinking about i was just like oh my gosh i'm a father and i gotta take this baby home and care for it and and yeah i mean the amount of joy and love that it's that you can have for a child is just uh incomprehensible how mm. how that happens mm-hmm. like how that how much is so strong that is yeah i i mean like okay so my first <laughs> my first words when she was born, <laughs> I, I was like did that baby just come out of me <laughs> like i was helping like one of my friends for all of her births and she had six babies and like i had only see babies come out of her and so, <laughs> 
got out of me. Like, oh. I was just like, oh, this is unbelievable. No, it also yeah. took 30 some hours. It was that. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. You're a but, champ. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I have to say, like, throughout all of the challenges, like, of like whatever it was, like, she had lots of challenges with breastfeeding. She had challenges with like growth at the beginning. She had challenges with like, um, I shouldn't say this, but like, just like spiritedness, let's say like, she just like, just like all sorts of things. Right. Those were like nothing to me, Mm. like, like bringing up Emmanuel, they were just like all joys. Like Mm. every single thing was a joy. Every little moment was a joy. And I just like, I couldn't imagine being more happy. Like I was like, sleep don't need it. Uh, you know, food, maybe once in a while, Baby, like I'll take her and I'll just love her. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. It was just like, my life had changed completely. And I was ready to just like, like, Mm. I had just like, do I have a job? No, I don't need a job. Do I have like, I was like, I just need this baby, you know, like I was like waiting for so long for this child. Mm. And so it was like, just joy joy and mm-hmm. i shouldn't say it was i mean she's still- <laughs> <laughs> she still is a joy yeah that's right just in the other room and yeah. i have like a, we have fullness of joy in our family mm. we have a family you know mm. so um but okay mm. like i mean reality does kick in after you haven't slept for quite a few years <laughs> right <laughs> sure like, okay, yes yeah, yeah parenting is like yep. challenging and and yes, you know, yeah. we're in the midst of it and everything. Yeah. My but, sister um, once fell in, asleep in the middle of breastfeeding. Like she was feeding oh. in the middle of the night. I was sitting and talking to her and she was <laughs> mid-sentence and fell asleep <laughs> mid-sentence talking to me. Oh, That's it, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 For yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to gonna ask and see if you have, um, because I think the reality is too that some of the people who are listening to this might be kind of in, they're like in the nine years. Some of them might be like 20 years into the nine years and, you know, and some may, some may have, end up having kids um, either naturally or through adoption and some may not. So if there's, from your experience, I'm just curious to see um, if there's anything that you would share with them, like things that were helpful for you or, or Mm -hmm. any words for them. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we had to try to focus on, like during those nine years and even like the five years past that was just like, um, just how can we be fruitful as a couple? Because yeah, fruitfulness is, is biological if it, if it's possible, but we didn't ever know if it was going to be possible for us the first time. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know if it was ever going to be possible for us again, um, afterwards with second with miscarriage and secondary infertility. And so, um, so yeah, so I guess we, we, we discovered like a lot through, um, just, you know, learning through like my, my role in, in helping couples and things like that. Um, just to be able to explore like what, what can make us fruitful in our life. And so it could be, um, you know, spending our efforts, you know, helping other people that we were helping with like marriage preparation, for example. Um, it could be by like, um, giving of ourselves, like for different needs in the church. Um, so we had to like go into helping our friends. Yeah. Helping our friends with their kids. And oh yeah. Yeah. So we did a lot of that, which is sometimes was challenging, but like at the same time, it was very like life-giving. Um, so we had to like be able to recognize that those, acts and those ways of giving of ourselves were 
also fruitful and they still are fruitful. So that in a marriage, um, our vocation to fruitfulness is still can, it can still be accomplished, um, even though it's not biological. Um, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. like or being godparents to, to, to other uh, mm-hmm. children. Um, and in prayer, of course, I mean, we always made a point of praying together, regardless, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on and, and just ending the day with prayer always, I think, uh, helps ground us and, uh, is an important uh, habit that we've always had and I think has kept mm-hmm. us stronger. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, like you're right. There are couples who are not going to be able to experience the biological fertility and, or may, you know, may not end up even being able to adopt. And so like, yeah, I just, I, 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 I continue to, to pray for those people mm-hmm. who are still struggling and, or who are, you know, perhaps not struggling with it anymore, but maybe are just like, are living it. Um, and then just, yeah, hopefully trying to find like their fruitfulness, right. To have moving to, mm-hmm. to, to focus on, on what they are able to live as a couple in their, in their fruitfulness. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. My goodness. Well, ladies, is there anything else that you guys wanted to share, Nicole or Rachel, or shall I turn it over to, to Godwinks? God winks. Just, God yeah, just thank yeah. you. Seriously. Yeah. This is such so... a beautiful story of, of hope. And like, you know, it, it struck one thing that struck me, uh, Andrews, you're talking about how when you held your daughter for the first time, it was like that nine years was mm. kind of gone, you know? And I feel like that's what you hear from a lot of women. It's like, okay, all the, the nine months of pregnancy and the birth, it's like you hold the baby and it's like, yeah, never mind. It's all, you know, gone. It's like, okay, you had, instead of a nine month pregnancy, you guys had a nine year journey together, you know? I never even even thought of that. It's interesting. Yeah. But um, just that, that just the beautiful and just the hope that, that, cause I, you know, I'm thinking of of things in my own life where there's, um, where there's waiting and where there's uncertainty and just that call to continue to hope um, mm. like God has not forgotten, you know, uh, I think that's just a really beautiful, um, it's, it's, it's hitting me, you know, so yeah. thank you for, for mm. all you're sharing. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to remember. I think it's even like, <laughs> I think it's even, it's making me think right now. I'm like, I think I need to like ask the Lord for that. Like I need to ask him to remind me in a way that he knows how that he has not forgotten me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is yeah. like, which I think is good. So if anybody is listening right now and you're in that place, like whether it's because of infertility struggles or anything else, just to, just to ask the Lord for that, because he's a good God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yes, answers that's us. so right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to add, actually, I never even, um, yeah, I kind of forgot about this part, but um, like I was in prayer at one point in the, in our adoration chapel, like while we were living through for infertility. And there was one night where I was like, and I was like struggling every time I was praying because of, you know, like mm-hmm. our, just our, our infertility. And there was one night where I was like, I just, for some reason found like, like just a reason to like, just put my complete faith in the fact that God was going to do something. And I said, God, if you're going to um, give us a child, give, could you and say, give me, <laughs> could you please give me a name for the child? And this was like a couple of years before we ever got pregnant. And he gave mm. me the name Emmanuel. I was yeah. like clear to me. I was like, that's mm. what I, I got from him. And then, yeah. So that's why we actually named her Emmanuel was because mm. of, like, just ask, just like it, I hardly ever had moments like that where I was just like, just let's do this. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, that's, that's what I got. So yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. I, um, 
I have to, uh, I have for any of our listeners, I have to go to the airport right now to pick up <laughs> my, uh, brother-in-law to be. So I have to bow out of our conversation a little bit earlier than I would like, but I just, I honestly just felt the Holy spirit, like so strongly and so powerfully throughout every part of your story. And I, I, I'm so grateful because like Nicole was saying, it just struck. So it was just so resonant for me mm-hmm. in so many areas of my life. So I'm mm-hmm. so grateful. Thank you guys so yeah, much for you. sharing that. It's such a yeah. gift. It's such a yeah. gift. Thank um, you. yeah. And to everybody on the podcast, on that note, yeah. Later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. God bless. Bye guys. Bye, Rachel. Bye. Nice to meet you. Me too. <laughs> so, so good. Mary and Andre, I hear you have a God wink that you were going to share. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So okay. try to keep it. Yeah. You, so Mary mentioned the Adoration Chapel, Holy Cross. Uh, we went there for many, many years. Um, we had a regular time slot. There was this one image and I was going to try to find it, but anyways, it's, it's called Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Our Lady of Divine Providence. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Different. Yeah. Divine Providence. Sorry. And it's an image of Mary holding baby Jesus. And Mary has this like absolutely beautiful look on her face and mm. joy and peace. And I hated it because <laughs> I didn't want to look at that thing. And it's in our adoration chapel. And I was like, <laughs> it just reminded me of what we don't have all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, but regardless, I would light a candle and I would put it there anyways, even though I hated looking at this. <laughs> so I, <laughs> okay. but we would go on our own. Yeah, we, we wouldn't go together. We'd go so time. I would go to the Adoration Chapel and then I would just stare at this beautiful image of Our Lady of Divine Providence. So I didn't know funny. that was the name of it. I just knew like, it's this is Mary with her child. And like, just, it was such a beautiful image. And I was like, just always drawn to it. And always like when I was praying, I would be like asking Mary to intercede for us and just like having a big focus on, on this, uh, like this image of um, of Mary with her child, just yeah, just like very focused. And so, we didn't know that this was going on. So that's many so years great. Later, we actually shared about this this image in the Adoration Chapel. Well, when I was in pregnant, our different, in our different connections. Okay, so yeah, Marie got pregnant. We went to Rome. We did a pilgrimage of Thanksgiving, and we met up with a, a priest friend, uh, Father Mello, and he gave us a tour around Rome. And the original image, that painting, mm. is in a church in Rome. So, well, hey, we have to go visit this original image. And Father Mello was more than happy to bring us around. We get to this church, and it's full of scaffolding and work. And we're like, <laughs> oh. They're not going to let us in. We're not going to get it. So Father Mello starts talking to this lady who's there. And she's like, oh, Italian, in Italian. You know, it's like, we've got our own personal translator. And she's like, okay, no problem. Come. Turns on the lights. And yeah, it's in the middle of renovations. But in this one corner of the chapel. Oh, there's a chapel in the church. In the chapel in the church, yeah. Um, There's the icon. And surrounding the icon is full of teddy bears and pillows of... Of, of prayers that were you know oh. answered for for people who are in fertility and we had oh. no that wow. this icon this image had this this attachment with granting people with infertility yeah. so 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 yeah so the first funny crazy thing was that we were both so like like attracted either in a good way or a bad way to like <laughs> the of our lady of divine yeah. and then yeah and then the fact that like when we like, cause it was very significant to us at that point when we both knew that we had like, you know, the sort of this attachment to it. And then that like, yeah, that 
this was actually like a thing that like people were asking Our Lady of Divine Providence to intercede for for infertility. And then we're wow. like, so yeah, so we got to pray there at the chapel and um, yeah, it was just a really blessed moment. And then we got um, the image, like we, we were able to get the image there at uh, the, that, that church. We got it blessed by the priest there in, in Rome and we were able to bring it back. And that was hanging on uh, Menya as well when she was a baby. So, oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's so little... cool. <laughs> that's wonderful. Does that count oh. as a wink? Yeah, that's, yes. a, that's, a, good that's a good God that's a wink. Great God wink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's for why sure. her, one of her middle names is Maddie. Like, it's our friend, mm. the French name for mm-hmm. Mary. So it's right. our. It's it's like our nod to um, uh, Our Lady of Divine Providence, who okay. we have intercede for Maria as well. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. I love it. I'm like, um, I think that there's probably going to be a lot of people who are because even when you talk at the beginning about that feeling of like shame like there's like something of that in it mm-hmm. um I, I feel like the like hopefully people who are experiencing that right now like that isolation or that shame or things like that 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 there'll be a lot of grace that's brought into their life because of because of your sharing so we are so grateful <laughs> to you and um we'll put all the in all the show notes and everything if you're looking at for any of the things that um marie and andre shared mm-hmm. about like napro and stuff like that you can look at our show notes um which are available on our website so that's in the thicket podcast.com um so all of those things will be there and uh yeah so feel free to you know if you want any if you have any questions about any of that or anything i can always forward them to Maddie and Andre. they can sure. they yeah. can give you feedback well, yeah, yeah and we can pray for couples as well like mm. if you have people who would like to send in like prayer requests um oh, we'd good. like to pray for for those who are are struggling and beautiful yeah, yeah. okay oh. this is good we'll do that then we'll put something on social media for that and see if we can pray for people in that way Oh my goodness. Okay, everybody. Well, it was such a gift to have you guys here today. And we already lost Rachel. (laughs) She's halfway to the airport now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. And we're looking forward to hearing uh, to for you to hear us again next week. God bless everybody. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.